1: And book your free consult today.
0: Welcome to the Jill on Money Show. It's Saturday, August 20th, and we are continuing our weekends with our favorite authors and interviews. So these are interviews that we have conducted in the past, and we are re-airing them through these late summer weekends To give me and Mark a chance to take some time off, but also to give you the opportunity to be a little more thoughtful about the way you're approaching your work life, your personal life. And I think you're really going to love this interview. This is one of our favorites. This is Cal Newport. He is a storied author. Uh, The book that he came on to talk about with us in this interview is A World Without Email, Reimagining Work in an Age of Communication Overload. I love Cal. And by the way, Cal blurbed my new book, so I love him even more. So it's very nice. Okay, here's the first part of our re-aired interview with Cal Newport. The new book is called A World Without Email, Reimagining Work in an Age of Communication Overload. And you start the book with a, a story about Dark Tuesday. In the administration of President Barack Obama. Can you tell us a little bit about that story
1: and why you started the book with that? Well, it was a task force that the Obama administration had pulled together. And it was under, I believe, maybe it was the Department of Commerce. And so this this group gathers together in Washington, D.C. And I, I profile Nisha Shara, who was running this group. He came down to run this group. And a computer virus hits them almost immediately The Department of Homeland Security comes in and says, all right, everyone, we need to take your computers (laughs) because I guess it's a security threat or something like this. Oh, and by the way, because of government secrecy rules, you can't use your own computers. So no, no using private email accounts, no using your private laptops. You basically just can't have access to government email until we fix this problem. And it took them six weeks. So it was this interesting natural experiment where it was a typical high powered DC government style, I'm um, on my BlackBerry and smartphone all hours of the day, you know, Veep style hyper situation where this natural experiment where they said, now we're going to take your email away for six weeks unexpectedly. And what was interesting about this story is that although there were things that were a huge pain, for example, coordinating with the White House because they weren't on the email threads about what was going on and when the meetings were, they actually got a lot more of the important work done because Niche had to start traveling to the offices of the people they were going to be working with and he had nothing else to do. So he would just sit there with them for hours and really learn, Hey, what's going on? What do you need? Why have things failed in the past? And during those six weeks, because of all this extra white space, he called it, they came up with the big ideas that that task force ran with for the years that followed
0: and there was no lamenting of like oh gosh i missed the 400 extra emails every few days that were like nudging me i think this is instructive because you you know obviously it's a different time because this happened you know more than a decade ago but if this were to happen right now amid COVID, you wouldn't be able to go into someone's office. So let's say that that exact scenario were to occur at Georgetown where you teach and you no longer have email and you're not in your office. Tell me what what would replace the email template and the way of communication in a, a world where w- many people are working from home? Because I think a lot of people will continue working from home. What would happen?
1: Well, to me, the The deeper question is not what tools you use, but what are the processes by which you collaborate and get things done? So the one process that most of us just deploy by default is what I call the hyperactive hive mind, which is let's just rock and roll messages back and forth. Slack and email we will figure things out on the fly. So the key is replacing that with other ways of coordinating. That does not require a lot of unstructured back and forth messaging. Now, the tools you use to do this are somewhat uh, non-consequential. So, you know, if you're on the phone or in a Zoom meeting or you just have a system set up with shared drives, like I'll put this document here by this time. You pick it up. I'll put my edits in the next day. Whatever tools you're actually using, the thing that gets us towards a world without email is saying, Back and forth, unstructured, unscheduled messaging is not the best way in most cases to actually coordinate. So we have to replace that with a specific alternative. And the tools can shift. And in some sense, it's almost not so important what the tools are. Essentially, what
0: you're saying is that this form of communication called email, which, you know, I get it, as you say, low friction communication at scale, like throws the stuff out there, but we spend more time managing our work than doing our work. How much time are we spending managing this thing called this monster called email?
1: The data set I like the best shows that we're checking our inboxes once every six minutes, which I think is just absurd. And then the other data point I want to put out there, and this is is like, it's like a Kafka play and we we just aren't realizing this, is that just the reality that for more and more people, they now spend their entire workday in meetings and doing email, forcing them to do their actual work in these hidden second shifts, like early in the morning or in the evening. And we just sort of shrug our shoulders like, yeah, it's a fast paced world. It's not a fast paced world. That's absurd. The inmates are running the asylum. We've spiraled out of control. The overhead of talking about work has gotten to the place where we can't actually do any work anymore during the workday. I think there's a huge problem. And we were much too quick just to look around and say, like, I guess this is just what work is in a high tech Mm. age. And I really disagree with that. I think we're in the early stages of figuring out how to do work in a digital world. And what we're doing now is going to embarrass us 10 years from now. When we look back.
0: Part of this is like this strange way that our brains have adapted to this world. Okay. I owned a dog 20 years ago. I would walk my dogs. I had a blackberry, but I never checked it while I was walking the dogs. I might listen to at the time, which was some sort of like, I don't know, like an iPod. And now I walk my dogs and I am compulsively checking my email while I walk my dogs. Why do I do that? What is going on in my brain that's making me do that?
1: Well, one of the key points here is that I think we're too quick the place to blame on the individual. You know, well, we just we check it too much. We shouldn't. We should have better inbox habits. You know, we should batch our inbox checks. But part of what I document is that. It's actually a rational behavior because our organizations as a whole have increasingly embraced this hyperactive hive mind workflow, I call it, as the main way that everything gets done. Mm. So the main way that everything gets done now in the modern knowledge work setting is back and forth, ad hoc, unstructured, unscheduled messaging. And if that's the way that everything gets done, that means that any one day there might be a dozen different asynchronous back and forth conversations going on that you're a part of and you have to tend. That means you have to monitor this inbox essentially constantly because you need to see when one of those messages come in, you have to ping it back for that process, whatever's being discussed there to keep moving forward. And so what I really argue is this hyperactive hype mind forces us to have to look at the inbox all the time, which is why any attempt to say, well, just have better habits as an individual, just you know, check it less, have email free Fridays, that's going to fail. We have to actually replace the underlying processes that are generating all those messages in the first place.
0: And it's so funny because, you know, I'm so compulsive about it because I am I work in a news organization and that is essentially like, oh, you know, this is how we communicate. Now, I will just tell you from the CBS News part of this, there's just like way too many emails that go out. Like you're, I'm on a thousand lists. And even if you are checking obsessively, it's easy to miss it when there's so much crap coming through. Like I don't really need to see our correspondent in Italy tell me that she's filing something about vaccines right now. You know what I mean? So it's like we've done a terrible job of managing the tool that we have, and it is the expectation that you have to constantly monitor it. So tell me how that could change in an organization that is already fully entrenched in that mode.
1: You have to get below the inbox, right? We can't solve this problem in the inbox itself. We can't solve the problem with norms. We can't solve the problem with expectations about response time. We can't solve it with better personal productivity. We have to go down and be specific about here are the actual processes that execute in our organization. These are often implicit. We don't name them, but they're there. There's the filing the story process. There's the finding out about breaking news process. There's the, you know, getting the paperwork that the HR department needs process. They're there. And we implement most of these right now with just rock and rolling in inboxes because it's easy and it's flexible and it's convenient. And we also have this autonomy trap, which is a whole other issue. If we're going to solve the problem though, we have to actually take these underlying processes and say, wait, what's the best way? How do we actually want to, for example, file stories? And then you can say, is there a way to do this, a set of rules we can agree on, a process whatever procedure that doesn't require seven or eight back and forth asynchronous messages? And then you repeat process after process. And what happens is, is you take a lot of this asynchronous, ad hoc, demanding back and forth interaction, it comes out of your inbox And it gets consolidated into set times when it's discussed or set systems that don't require discussion. And the pressure really reduces and your inbox begins to transform. The companies that have done this, it transforms from this hive mind at the center of everything to a very convenient form of the mailboxes we used to have in a pre-email day. Oh, I'll check this once a day because it was a nice way for you to send me that report instead of having to put it into a memo folder. And that makes all the difference.
0: One of the other stats that really did blow my mind, the longest interval that each user worked with no inbox checks or instant messaging. So by the way, all these people like, oh, we have instant message, it's Slack, it's It's no better. It's the same crap. Okay, that was just me, sorry. Okay, for half of the user study, the longest uninterrupted interval was no more than 40 minutes. The most common length checking in 20 minutes. More than two-thirds of the users never experience an hour or more of uninterrupted time during the period studied. That really makes it difficult to do any sort of thoughtful work. Here I am, I'm on the, the air with you, and I'm conducting this interview, and I have my back to my screen because I don't want to see any email messages coming in. I've turned my phone to do not disturb. I'm super focused. But, you know, when I'm sitting by myself and I'm trying to write an article that's on deadline, it's harder for me to do that. So that uninterrupted time, which you think you could manage yourself, you're saying it has to organizationally happen. I can't do it myself.
1: A, it is crucial. I mean, we'll just establish that. I I went deep on this topic of, why checking these inboxes all the time kills us. And it is just terrible for our brains. Our brains can't do it. We cannot do these quick checks of inboxes and then come back and try to actually think productively. Because when we see that inbox and we see a hundred messages and 99 of them we can't answer right now, and they're from other people and people in our tribe and people we care about, you have all of this context switching that starts happening in your brain. And then when you wrench it away from that, leaving all of those things unresolved and try to return to the article you're writing or the decision you're trying to make or the conversation you're trying to have, a big part of your brain is still stuck on trying to what it was looking at before. And it's why we feel exhausted and it's why we feel miserable and why we feel anxious and feel like we have a hard time getting work done. We simply can't work that way. It's basically like a torture chamber we've created. We've made it basically impossible to actually do our work and then say, okay, now try to do that work, like work in an environment where our brain really can't do the work. And I, I don't know why, why we've settled with it, but to get to your original question, There are things you can do as an individual, but yeah, ultimately, this is not a problem of inbox habits. It's a problem of processes. And ultimately, these processes, this is a team or organization-wide conversation that has to be had. Here is how we do X. Here's how we do Y. Here's how we do, do Z. And those answers need to acknowledge that our human brain can't check an inbox every six minutes. And so we have to find a way to collaborate that doesn't require... This constant back and forth, ad hoc, unstructured digital messaging. We used to do it until about twenty years ago. We can do it again. It's hard, but work is hard. <laughs> you know, it's kind of by the mm-hmm. definition. It's like nothing about work is easy. But we're all going to be better off if we can do that.
0: I remember when we talked about digital minimalism. You explained the myth around multitasking. So can you just do a refresher? Because you know, you just you just touched on it, but. Why is it that our brains can't really do this? What's happening?
1: The term is network switching, and network switching is expensive. You know, so our our brain is relatively sequential. It assumes we're going to be doing one thing at a time, and then when we're done with something we're going to turn our attention to the new thing. And it takes some time to switch your attention from one context to another. Certain neural networks have to be amplified, certain neural no- networks have to be inhibited. It's kind of a complex process. Uh, I get into it in this book. It's sort of interesting, actually, the history of neuroscience. They they began working on this in the 1920s when they had no idea what was happening in the brain, but they would do these experiments where they would have you do tasks and they would time how long it took for you to do the task, like adding seven to every number in a sequence. Then they would have people interleave two tasks, like, okay, interleave adding seven to every number and doing the alphabet backwards or something like this. And they would measure with clocks. Very, wow, their people are much slower when they have to keep switching back and forth between two different tasks. So they, they, they used to do this with clocks. And then we got you know, MRI scanners and modern neuroscience. And they, they have it down to the actual neural networks. But network switching is expensive. If you try to shift really quickly, let me look at my email context back to my work context, back to my email context, back to my work context, look at my phone, look at social media, same idea in this context. You're switching your network back and forth much faster than it can actually keep up. And it creates an, uh, an effect in your brain where you're basically foggy. You get frustrated. You get low energy. I think we all have that feeling of we keep checking our inbox while we're trying to do something important and our energy to work saps and then eventually we just give up. Like, well, let me just check my email. Our brain can't handle that, right? We, we are not meant to do that. We were not evolved to do that. So I don't care about multitasking. What, cares, what I care about is these quick checks. That's what kills you. Even if you only have Microsoft Word open on your screen, you don't have notifications, you know, you don't have your inbox open at the same time. If you're still checking that inbox every six minutes, even if you're just glancing to see if a message comes back to you're waiting to see, you're devastating your productivity. It doesn't have to be open simultaneously. It is how long have you gone since the last time you switched context, even if briefly. That's the key metric for cognitive work.
0: Well, that was just part one of Cal. Wait till tomorrow. You're going to really get a boost if you're the kind of person who works in an organization that relies on email. Oh, it's just exhausting, isn't it? Anyway, if you've got a financial question, we'd love to hear from you. Just go to jillonmoney.com. Click the contact us button. Let us know if you'd be willing to come on the air. While you're there, don't forget to check out all of our great content and sign up for the free weekly newsletter. Mark does it every single Friday and it is darn good. We'll be back in your ears tomorrow. So before then, please put your hands metaphorically on someone's back. Grit, growth, grace. Thank you for listening. We'll chat with you tomorrow.